Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huttocommunitychurch.org. Today, we're going to continue a series we started two weeks ago called Dangerous Church, and this will be the last message of this series. And we started out that message, and I'm just going to recap it for you a little bit, but we talked about uh, a dangerous church versus a safe church. And what we mean here is like, uh, by dangerous church, it's not a church where you or your family is going to be hurt or, you know, something dangerous is happening. What we're talking about is taking ground for the kingdom of God, doing things like uh, go huddle and going door to door, seeing the kingdom of God move forward. People come to salvation in Christ. And, and really the opposite of that is a safe church. And a safe church has a lot of different characteristics. And, and you've probably been a part of a safe church at some point in your life. But a, a safe church simply uh, wants to keep people happy, right? Like we don't want to do anything to offend you. And so we're not going to preach hard messages that talk about hard things. And we're really most concerned about you being happy and me being happy and us all being happy when we get together. A safe church avoids controversy. So we don't talk about hard things. They're not hard lessons. We don't uh, hold up the mirror to ourselves and have to look at who we truly are and make necessary changes, uh, which for me, that means we, don't, we just don't talk about sin. So a safe church just doesn't talk about sin because again, we want to keep everybody happy. And the last thing we said was we're, uh, a safe church is cautious, never takes a risk, never really gets outside of our comfort zone. And that's really kind of where we landed that a safe church is comfortable, right? We're, we're just comfortable and we want you to be comfortable. I mean, COVID has made us all so comfortable because everything is so easy now. Everything is online. Many of you work from home. You never even have to leave your house. You don't have to leave your house to get groceries. And so why would we not do the same when it comes to church and just make you comfortable so that we don't have to do anything that really pushes us outside of our comfort zone? But I think there's some other things that a safe church does. A safe church makes excuses. We make excuses for what we do. Make excuses for why we don't do things. I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. Really, church should be an excuse to miss other things in life. But what we do is we let other things in life be the excuse for why we're not at church, why we're not in a small group, why we're not in genuine community with other believers, why we don't have a quiet time, why we don't uh, spend time in prayer. And we look for excuses all over the place to not be uh, the people that God has called us to be. And then a safe church is a church really with hard hearts. And what I mean by that is that many of you have been through life long enough at this point that you've been through tragedy. And you've been through some very difficult and hard times. And in a safe church, we don't ever address those things. And consequently, we become bitter, and we become critical, and we never let the Spirit of God move upon our hearts. And so on the outside, we might be friendly. We might say, hey, oh, hey, yeah, how's it going? Things are great. Yeah, my life is great, yada, yada, yada. But on the inside, we've got this giant wall up that doesn't allow the Spirit of God to come in and to change us. And we're unwilling to address those things. We're unwilling to make changes. 
And so we just play everything safe and keep everyone else at arm's length. And then a safe church allows unrepentant sin. And another way of saying that is maybe we're just comfortable with the sin we have. Right? Like, oh, what I do on the weekend, it's not really anybody else's business. Or, or, or the way I talk, it's fine. Nobody really cares. Everybody talks this way. Uh, the jokes I make, the, uh, well, they might be crude, but they're funny. And I sure get people to laugh a lot. And we're just okay with the little sins in life that creep in and they prevent the Spirit of God from moving. Because the Lord God will not move when sin is allowed to be present and is not repented from. But church, that's not the church we want to be. We want to be the, a dangerous church, a church that takes ground for the kingdom of God. And so two weeks ago, we, we looked at some characteristics and we said, uh, well, we've got to have a radical approach, right? We want to be uh, like Jesus in the temple. And when he went in and he threw over the tables, that, that was a radical thing. And he would not tolerate the sin that was happening in the temple of uh, the money changers making all kinds of profit off of people who would come to sacrifice to the Lord. And so we want to have a radical approach to our life. We want to have a divine boldness. We want to have the kind of boldness that at a moment's notice, we're ready to speak about our love for Jesus, about our relationship with him, how he's changed our life and, and the things that he is currently doing. We want to be bold for the name of Jesus. And then we want to have a risk-taking kind of faith that gets us out of our comfort zone, that says, I believe in a big and strong God who can do all things. Our God is able. And so I want to continue along uh, that same line, and this is really just kind of part two to the same message from two weeks ago, and we're going to look at three more characteristics of a dangerous church today. And the first one is that I must have an unshakable devotion to Christ. I must have an unshakable devotion to Christ. We're going to go back to the book of Acts, which we're, we spent a lot of time two weeks ago and in Acts chapter 5, in verses 28 and 29, uh, what has happened has, is the disciples, uh, they've been arrested twice now in, in the book of Acts. So uh, once they were brought before the council and they were really just kind of uh, lectured and told not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they go out and obviously they continue to speak the name of Jesus. And uh, then they are arrested again and imprisoned, and then an angel of the Lord comes and lets them out of prison, and, and they're speaking in the temple the very next day. And so they're brought before the Jewish high council again, and in verse 28 of Acts chapter 5, we read, uh, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Now, when we stop and think about this, this is a pretty incredible statement that Peter makes. Because it was not, but a, a few months before this, when Jesus was arrested, and when he went to the cross, Peter and all the other disciples fled the scene. I mean, they were gone cowardly, went into hiding, not to be found. Peter even denied he uh, had any association, even knew the name of Jesus. He just said, no, I'm a person in the crowd here. And here a few months later, after he's been filled with the Holy Spirit, he has this unshakable devotion to Jesus Christ. 
It reminds me of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. He says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. An unshakable devotion that we might please Jesus rather than anyone else, including ourselves. If we continue reading the story of the disciples in Acts down in verse 41, uh, or 40 and 41 of chapter 5, uh, that whole conversation with the Jewish council concludes kind of like this. It said, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. I mean, this is just, again, incredible. Uh, these men are not the same men anymore. They have been completely changed. They have an unshakable devotion to Jesus that it doesn't matter what any ruler, what any authority, what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what kind of pressure they face. It doesn't matter if they're faced with prison. It doesn't matter if they're faced with a beating. It doesn't even matter at this point if they're faced, uh, uh, faced with death. They will not deny the name of Jesus. It's an unshakable devotion to him. And I think this is just one of those things we just have to hold up in the mirror and ask ourselves this question. What is it that you have an unshakable devotion to? Now stop and just think about it for a minute. What is it that you have an unshakable devotion to? Is it your work life? Is it some kind of unhealthy relationship that you have? Is it food or alcohol, over-the-counter drugs? that It doesn't matter what else happens in life, you've got to have that one thing. Is it sex or the abuses thereof? Is it your kids? Have your kids become your God where uh, despite whatever happens in the world that you're going to focus on your kids? Where you refuse to let them grow up and come, become their own people? Is it a sports team? Is it the news? What is, what is it that you have an unshakable devotion to? Now I'm going to go kind of in a random direction here, but follow me. Because this leads to a much deeper question that we have to ask. Look at me here. Get this one. What is it that you really believe about God? Because we could go around the room and we could all say, oh yeah, God is sovereign. He's in control. He's all powerful. He's at all places at all time. Yeah, we believe that. But when it comes to the practice of our daily lives, what is it that you really believe about God? Do you believe that he really loves you more than you can even imagine? Do you believe that he's really powerful enough to take care of you, to take care of your kids, to take care of your situation, to provide for you? Do you believe that he's really good? Or is he just good enough to be an insurance salesman who keeps you out of hell? Is he really that good? See, I think we've got to ask ourselves, who do we really believe God is? Because when we can answer that question, and when we understand that he loves us more than we can imagine, that he's bigger and stronger than we could ever comprehend, and that he will always be there for us, then we can have an unshakable devotion to Christ. But until 
we actually believe that in our heart of hearts, then God is just the fire insurance salesman. And he's someone that we, we like and we're friendly with, but we're probably gonna keep him at arm's length and not invite over to our birthday parties and have him in intimate conversations. But church, please understand, he's bigger than you can imagine. He's better than you can imagine. And he loves you so much more than you can ever imagine. And because he is that big and he is that good and he is that loving, we can have an unshakable devotion to Christ. But secondly, I think we also, as a church, we must be a selfless community of believers. We must be a selfless community of believers. Back in Acts chapter 2, you probably remember this in verses 44 and 45. Uh, the scripture says, And all who uh, believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And then again, down in chapter 4, in verses 32 through 34, we read, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and a great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. Now again, this is one of those things that you can say, well, this is kind of uh, this utopian uh, Christian point where they just kind of shared everything. And um, I think it's just a picture of what heaven is going to be like. And I'm not saying we have to be socialist or anything like that. I'm not saying to, trying to say anything political here. But what I'm saying as the community of believers, we've got to get our focus off of ourselves and, and on to other people and specifically on to the world, because it's natural for us to be focused on ourselves, right? We're worried about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat after church, where we're going to go, how we're going to celebrate Father's Day or not, or whatever that looks like in your household. And we're concerned about self, and, and the reality is that people around us need us, because they need Jesus. And last time I checked, most of you here are believers in Jesus and follow him. And we must be a selfless community of believers. And so um, there's a couple things I, I want to say about this. Number one, it, it's in your notes, but most people think the church is here for us, right? The church is here to serve me. And maybe you came in this morning thinking, well, uh, the church is here to pump me up, to get my spiritual high for the week so that I can make it through another week. And, and that's part of it, right? That happens when we come together. But the attitude we have to, to take is more along the lines of the fact that we're the church and we're here to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to serve the world around us. Because as Stephen shared with us, there's a lot of people out there who are hurt and who are disconnected and who need some hope. And so I began to think about this this week in, in the context of just Hutto Community Church and, and who we are and who God has made us to be and kind of how we function. And, and as I thought about us, we're, for the most part, a pretty independent group of people. Right? I, I mean, it's not like um, there's not a lot of need, and, and maybe you have some need, but it's not like you're going hungry. Uh, most of you have jobs and have incomes that provide, and I know things get tight from time to time, and it's a struggle, and there are times when we help one another out. But what is it we really need, and how can we be more selfless as the body of Christ? And I think there's kind of an, an attitude shift that we have to have. Because as good Texans, 
an independent people, we, we tend to be independent all the time. But we've got to be a family. The kind of family where you can walk into the house and open the fridge and take whatever you want. That's the kind of family we need. And some of us need a friend. Someone just to share life with. Someone to uh, call on occasion and say, hey man, today was a bad day. It was not good. And so here's what that means for, for you and for me, and this is the part you won't like. That means you have to be the one to pick up the phone and call and check on somebody else. And you also have to be the one who will pick up the phone when you have the hard day and take a risk and call someone that, that maybe you don't know all that well and say, hey, can I just talk to you for a minute? Like I've just had a, a really rough day and I need some encouragement or maybe would you just pray for me over the phone? And, and I think if, if we as Huddle Community Church begin to take that kind of attitude with one another and that kind of approach, not only will it solidify and unify the body of Christ, but it will help to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Because if we're left to ourselves to follow him on our own, as the old song says, we are prone to wander. And wander we do. And we need one another to keep accountable, to stay on track, to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And so church, it's a call to be selfless with yourself, to be selfless with your time, to send that text message or email or pick up the phone and call someone just to say, hey, how you doing? I was thinking about you today. We've got to be a selfless community of believers. And that means there's no judgment, right? It means you can't be a critic. You can't look over across the aisle at Chris Bunch and say, well, Chris, he's just an arrogant guy and he doesn't talk to anybody. He's cold and I don't like Chris. You can't do that because we're family and we're friends, and we take the time to walk across the aisle and say, hey, Chris, what's going on? How is your day? And maybe he is cold, and maybe he is arrogant. I don't know, but uh, find that out for yourself. Don't just glance across the room at someone, and they maybe have an ugly look on their face that day because they had a hard weekend, and make a judgment. That's not who we are. We're the family of God. Let's treat one another like that. Finally, I must have a consuming focus. Must have a consuming focus. Acts 4, verse 19 and 20. But Peter and John answered, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, they're talking to the council again here, to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot speak, uh, I'm sorry, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And then again, when they're talking, uh, when they finish with the council in chapter five, it says, and in every day, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. The disciples were focused on one thing. One thing dominated their life every single day. Jesus. Jesus. It affected every area of their life. It affected their thoughts. It affected how they planned their days. It affected how they treated other people, how they interacted with others. It affected all the things that they said and they did. They were totally and completely focused on Jesus. Let's just ask the question again, what are you focused on? Where's your focus? To be a dangerous church, we can't be focused on 
all of the other many things that we could be focused on in life. Jesus has to be the center. He's got to be the priority. He's, he's got to be numero uno in your life. And I just want to challenge you this weekend to, to make him numero uno. And going back to the disciples, you could say again, well, again, you know, they had the Holy Spirit there and he was moving in a very special way during the early church time. And this is some kind of utopian uh, church-like existence that they had. And I might agree with you, except for the rest of the New Testament, where all of those apostles were then martyred for their faith. And when they were faced with death, their one focus was still Jesus. You think about the Apostle Paul and all of the suffering he went through, through his his shipwrecks, through all of the beatings he took, through all of the persecution. He had one focus, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. What is your focus today? Again, let me remind you that Jesus had captured their hearts. Has he captured your heart? Has he captured your heart? Or is your heart focused on other things? May I just encourage you, surrender your your heart to Jesus. I know most of you are probably believers in Christ and you've been walking with him a long time, but so many of us, we get distracted by all the things of the world. Would this Father's Day be the day that you say, okay, I'm gonna have one focus in my life knowing Jesus and making him known. I'm gonna have uh, an unshakable devotion to him. I'm gonna give my life away. Finally, I've been living for myself my whole life. Now I'm gonna give it away because I found out that life is not about serving me. It leaves me unfulfilled. It leaves me hungry for more. I'm finally gonna give it away and give it to Jesus. And dads, this Father's Day, I'm not here to beat you up or say you're doing a bad job, but would you take the lead in your family? Would you be the spiritual leader that God has called you to be? Would you begin to start maybe a family devotion or a family prayer time? Or maybe you need to start and back up before that. And man, I just need to open my Bible during the week. I need to work on myself and and just say again, this Father's Day, man, I'm finally gonna be the man that God has called me to be. And you won't be perfect And maybe you haven't done it right in the past, and I'm just here to say that's what grace is for. And I want you to receive grace from the Lord Jesus so that you can really and truly give yourself away for him. That he can be your one and only focus because nothing else matters. And you might say, well, I don't know how I'm gonna do that. I've never done that before in my life. I've never taken the lead. Maybe I haven't taken the lead on anything. I just take a back seat in my family and let my wife kind of do whatever and this, that, and the other. And let me just encourage you. Acts 4.13 says this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished. And then they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. So two things I'm going to point out to you. The, the, a dangerous church is made up of ordinary people. People like you and me, people who have day-to-day jobs and nothing special about any one of us. But a dangerous church is made up of ordinary people whose lives have been transformed by Jesus. Whose lives have been transformed by Jesus. So church, in, in all this, 
I would just call you to the grace of Jesus Christ. He died on that cross for you because that's how much He loves you. He's bigger than you can imagine. He's stronger than you can imagine. He's better than you can imagine. Will you just receive Him this Father's Day as He is? Believe He is who He says He is. And let your heart be touched by the grace that He gives. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.